This is a message from Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. We pray that it will encourage you in your walk of faith. If you would like to learn more about Dr. Youssef or Leading the Way, please visit ltw.org. I had an opportunity to watch an interview with Dr. Patrick Carnes, who is recognized as the foremost authority in this country in this whole issue of sexual addiction and pornography and pornographic addiction. Dr. Kahn's description of where we are as a culture in this regard is enough to send shivers in the spine of every parent and every grandparent who's sitting here today. He called this type of addiction the tsunami that could threaten the human race. And I don't think this man is given to exaggeration. He said, among other things, that two-thirds of kids are watching pornography while they're doing their homework. 34% of them will become addicts. Now we see why he calls it the tsunami that's about to hit our nation. Among other things, he said, there is no spouse in the whole world that can live up to the expectations of pornography and pornographic expressions. Then he added, he said, while nicotine can stay in the brain of a person when he smoked his or her first cigarette, 30 days linger in the brain. He said, pornography lingers in the brain after just one scene for months. And imagine the repeated actions. Pornographic addiction moves, he said, in a downward direction, which leads to addiction and bondage. He said it all starts as an impulsive act. Then it goes into a compulsive behavior, and then ultimately into a full-blown addiction. Forty percent of the men, listen carefully, mom and dad, forty percent of men state that they started looking at pornography at the age of 10. I must confess to you, and I'm confessing publicly, that I had my head buried in the sand about this issue for too long, what Dr. Kahn's referred to as the coming tsunami. Here's what he also said, that women are the fastest growing group to become sexual addicts, mostly because of the Internet. But enough of statistics and the depression that it can cause. I want to move on, and I want to tell you about the power of God to deliver us from whatever it is that hold hold of us. Hear me right on this one. Because while the magnitude is huge, while the numbers of addictions alarming, the cause of this is not new. The elements that's driving people into this bondage of sexual addiction are not new. For 2,000 years ago plus, Jesus had an encounter with a woman who was not unlike many in our culture today. This woman in John chapter 4, who had an encounter with the living Lord Jesus Christ, could be just like somebody lives next door, like somebody who works in the office down from you. It's like somebody who shares the dorm in college with you. It's like some member of your social club, or it could be you. 
regardless, we thank God for the power of Christ who can deliver you and can deliver you today. The problem is on the outside, most of these folks, whatever addiction they are into, they appear on the outside, they're having a good time. Oh, but on the inside, they are living in misery. On the outside, they look like they've got it all together. But deep down, they're longing for true fulfillment. Deep down, they are longing for true intimacy. Deep down, they are longing for a peace of mind. Deep down, they are longing for a deep emotional and spiritual victory in their life. And the way Jesus reached out to this woman of sexual addiction is the same way that He would reach to every one of us. To everyone who longs to be set free, Jesus wants to do that. To everyone who longs for true contentment in life, to everyone who's tired of inner conflict and confusion and pain, Jesus is sitting at the well of your life, and He's calling out to you. Will you respond to Him? Will you respond to Him? This encounter took place more than 2,000 years ago, and yet, in many ways, this story is a very modern story in every way. It's a really modern story in terms of the expression of racism, of prejudice, of the decline of morality, of human loneliness, and of the longing for true love and for true intimacy and for true acceptance. When he reached out to this desperate Samaritan woman, it was nothing short of a revolutionary Trust me when I tell you this, and when I explain to you further, you'll understand what I mean. You see, Samaria is where the West Bank today, under the Palestinian rule of modern-day Israel, that's where Samaria was. From Galilee to Jerusalem, you have to go through Samaria. It's about a 72-mile track. Now, most people traveled on foot. You have to be very rich to have a donkey. (laughs) So most people traveled on foot. They walked 72 miles. Do you know how long it took them to walk? Two and a half days. (laughs) Two and a half days to walk from Jerusalem to the Galilee area. Ah, do you think most of the Jews did that? Not on your life. They would not go this two and a half days walk. They went around to Jericho, then up to the Jordan Valley River, all the way, turned back east to Galilee, to Nazareth, or to all the cities around the Galilee. That trip took five days. Two and a half days (laughs) versus five days. But guess what? 99.999% of the Jews would go for the five-day walk rather than the shortcut of going through Samaria. They would do whatever it takes not to go through Samaria. They will do whatever it takes in order not to talk to the Samaritan or have anything to do with the Samaritan. And the Samaritans returned the favor. They did not like the Jews either. You talk about prejudice. Prejudice and bigotry were so deep that they would rather go five days on foot than two and a half going through Samaria. Oh, but not Jesus. Not Jesus. He wanted to go to Samaria. 
which gave his disciples a case of the heebie-jeebies. <laughs> they go to Samaria. Oh, we're going to go through Samaria. Okay, well, he knows what he's doing. But then made it worse when they saw him talking to a Samaritan woman. Himirat, please, this is important. Jesus came from heaven so that he may redeem and forgive all people from any sin and addiction. It doesn't matter what race a person may be. It doesn't matter what job a person holds. It doesn't matter what ethnic group a person belongs to. It doesn't matter what nationality they may be. It doesn't matter what their status in society may be. As long as there's someone who is desperate for forgiveness, as long as there's someone who is conscious is so burdened with the fire of guilt, as long as someone who wanted to be relieved from the crushing weight of the chains of sin and addiction, Jesus is staying at the well of your life. As long as somebody needing salvation that only Jesus can give, Jesus will come and meet you at the point of your need. So he gets to Samaria, weary of his walk and tired, he sits at the well that was known as Jacob's well. Back Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, dug that well. And lo and behold, a Samaritan woman comes out and draws water from the well. Again, you've just got to understand the enormity of that incredible risk that Jesus was taking. It's incredible. I mean, a Jewish man cannot be seen talking to a Samaritan man. But this is a Jewish man talking to a Samaritan woman. Think about this 2,000 years ago, not today. To this day, to this day today, 21st century, a Orthodox rabbi would not shake a hand of a woman. If a Jew really wants to ruin his own reputation, be seen talking to a Samaritan. Man, let alone being a woman. But that's not all. Jesus comes from the very height and the apex of righteousness, sinlessness, and holiness. He is God in human flesh. And she is at the bottom of degradation of sin. This woman had so many things going against her. I don't care what you are facing in life, that you could never face the degradation and the pain that she was going through. You cannot comprehend all the things that are going against her. The worst of what you are experiencing would not even measure very close to what she's going through. Her birth rendered her the object of hatred. Her gender rendered her inferior. Her immorality could have brought the wrath of the self-righteous Pharisees. But Jesus knew her desperation. Jesus knew that he and he alone can set her free. Jesus knew that he alone can forgive all of her sins. There is no sin beyond his forgiveness. Jesus knew that her most desperate need is for his redeeming love. And he can do the same for you today. He can do the same for you today. Wherever you are, whatever your situation, He can do that for you today. All of conventional wisdom back then <laughs> would have said, Jesus, you should have left the moment this woman showed up. <laughs> but thank God He didn't. Thank God He didn't. All conventional wisdom would have said, Jesus, this woman cannot help 
who she is. And Jesus would have said, that's false belief. That's false belief because I came to give life and give it more abundantly. Jesus, this woman is not predisposed to leaving her addiction. And Jesus would have said, that's a fallacy. I can set the captive free. She is desperate for salvation that only I can give her. Oh, but Jesus, this Samaritan woman is too deep into her alternative lifestyle. Jesus, this woman is half Gentile and half Jew like all the Samaritans. She cannot be saved. Jesus, this woman is beyond depravity for her lifestyle. Oh, but Jesus would say, you don't understand. You don't understand. My power came to do the impossible. Jesus, her addictions have gone too deep and too far. Ah, nothing is impossible for Jesus. Jesus, this is the way she's born. And Jesus said, I came to save everyone who would turn to me. Everyone of any ethnic group, of any, it, it doesn't matter what religion you belong to. It, the fact you're born a Muslim or born a Hindu or born a Jew or born, it doesn't matter. If you come to me as the only Savior and Lord, I will set you free. But Jesus, this woman is happy in her life. Oh, you don't understand. My eyes see through all that's inside of her, and I know she's not happy. I know that her conscience is on fire. I know the truth. I know how she feels. This woman, like anyone who's living in sin and in bondage and in the chains with which we are born and then we practice, like all of them, we put a mask on. Some of you might have walked in here in this church with a big mask. She had a mask. Actually, she had several masks. <laughs> this woman felt so degraded, so disillusioned, and so dissatisfied. You see, whatever glamour that she once had, she knew is fading away fast. Whatever excitement in her senses, she's now burning them out or burning themselves out. All that she got left is the drudgery of coming in and drawing water from that well. Hear me right, please. This is important. Like all of those who are enslaved to sin, whatever that sin may be, she drew temporary satisfaction from that bondage. But that's not all. Like all people who are into all sorts of chains of sins, she ended up being cynical. She knew enough religion to make her dangerous. In fact, the hardest people who turn to Christ are those who are inoculated with a little bit of religion. It keeps them from coming to know the truth. Religion kills. Jesus gives life. So they put the religious mask on, and they rattle these kind of answers, you know. They just got them all canned. And they rattle them. I don't really need God because I'm a good person. Or, 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 you know, God will have to accept me because I live by the golden rule. (laughs) I'm born that way. The list goes on and on and on. All the canned answers. Religious masks. Ah, 
but they are flimsy. They're flimsy excuses for not coming to the only one who can truly give you life and set you free, forgive your sins, and assure you of eternal life in heaven. Thank God Jesus would not be detracted by her cynicism. You notice how many times she tried to get him off track? Well, you know, you Jews do this, and we Samaritans do that. He let that pass. <laughs> you know, you worship in this mountain, and we worship in that. Let that pass. He, he did not want to get into a theological debate with her. No, 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 no. That's in the Hebrew language. There are two words for water. Those who translate the Bible into English try to distinguish between those two words by using the word living water. She was using one word. He was using another word. She was referring to stagnant water. He was referring to bubbling spring water. As if Jesus was saying to her, and not in a very subtle way, by the way, lady, you are into dead religion. Lady, you are into dead rituals. Lady, you are into traditions that can never give life. They can never deliver you from the pain that you feel on the inside. They can never deliver you from the guilt and shame that you're feeling on the inside. They can never give you inner fulfillment and satisfaction in this life and for all of eternity. Religion can never save you. Religion can never permanently forgive all of your sins. If you knew the gift of God and who it is who's asking you for a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you the living water. All of that other stuff of religion is like stagnant water. It stinks. All of the stuff of religion that you are into is like salt water. Those of you, I'm sure you've experienced it. If you're thirsty and you're swimming in the ocean and you take some of that water in, you get more thirsty. The more you drink it, the more you thirst. And you can't wait to run out to the beach to get some cold, pure water water to drink, to quench your thirst. That's the water of the world. It's salty water. It can never, 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 never satisfy. It can never give you that inner contentment. That can never give you that inner peace. I was thinking about this and I thought about the man in history who once was in prison. And he said, if I be set free from prison... That's all I would want in life. So he was set free. Then he said, oh, if I would only have the necessities of life, the resources in life, I would want no more. He got that. Then he said, oh, but if I only have a high position, I would want no more. He got that. Then he cried out, oh, if I would be a magistrate, I would want nothing else in life. He got that. Then he cried out and said, oh, but if I were to be a prince, I would want nothing else in life. He got that. Then he said, no, but if I be a king, I would want nothing else in life. He got that. Then he said, no, 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 if I become an emperor, I would want nothing else in life. He got that. Then he cried out, he said, oh, if I'll be emperor of the whole world, I would want nothing else. He got that. And history tells us that Alexander the Great wept 
when there was no more worlds to conquer. Salt water. The more you drink it, this can never be enough. It can never satisfy you. The more you drink it, the more you thirst. The more you drink it, the more you thirst. It's a lie. It's a deception. My beloved friend, life away from Christ will never satisfy you. Will never satisfy you. The waters of this world will never give you that inner contentment you're looking for. Today, Jesus wants to give you the living water. He wants to give you himself and set you free. And that is why Jesus had to walk through Samaria and not avoid it like most people did. See, this woman had five failed marriages. You think it's just coming out of Hollywood? I mean, seriously, five. Obviously, she reasoned in her head, ah, the problem must be the marriage itself. So she was shacking up with number six. She said, I give up marriage. She did not realize that her real thirst for satisfaction in life could only come from the Lord Jesus. That her desperate need in life is for Christ to come into her life and give her true contentment and joy. Before Christ found me, every time I try, I said, I'm going to do better. I'll try harder until I stopped running away from him. Until I came to the end of myself. What about you? Do you come to the end of yourself? Good news, because Jesus is right there at the end of yourself. Are you ready to receive his living water? This woman, when she was confronted by the truth, when she accepted the truth, the truth transformed her. She ran back to the very people who degraded her. And she said, come and see. The one who told me all my secrets. Here's the Messiah. Come and meet the one who lifted my burden. Come and see the one who forgave all of my sins. Come and see the one who broke my bondage. He can do the same for you. He can do the same for you. Father, only you can see the secrets of our hearts like you just saw the secret of that woman's heart. And no matter what image we try to project. You know the truth. You see through us. You know our thoughts before we think them. And therefore, we have comfort in that. And we ask you, please come, give us that living water. For Father, we know only Jesus can give it to us, because He's the one who paid the price for that. And He's the only one who can take us to heaven. And therefore, we pray in the name of Jesus that we would have an encounter, that we would not forget what we just heard in the next few hours or so, but Father, we will constantly thinking about those things that are meaningful, that will make life in abundance. So we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 